I'm in a series for the next couple of weeks on the greatest story of all, and we're looking at John chapter 1. What we have in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is what commentators call the prologue to the Gospel of John. Uh, what this passage does is convey deep truths related to the Incarnation. That is the, the coming of God from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ to make it possible for people like you and me to go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Here's where I'm going between now and Christmas. I want you to see Jesus for who He really is. If you're already a believer, I want you to adore Him and treasure Him, delight in Him and glorify Him more than you ever have before in your life. If you're not a believer, I want you to be moved to the very core of your being so that you will receive Jesus as Savior and serve Him as Lord. This, incidentally, is the motivation behind the Apostle John writing this book in the first place. In chapter 20, verse 31, he said, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Now, last week we looked at verses 1 through 5, and we ended with verse 5, which says, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it or understand it. Or as it originally appears, the darkness cannot overshadow it. And this light that shines is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's light to a dark world. And we're going to pick up with verse number 6 in John chapter 1. Here's what John wrote. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Heavenly Father, I pray right now and ask that you speak to each heart that is in this room. Lord, open our eyes and our mind and our heart to receive this great word of knowledge and encouragement. And I pray, dear Lord, that if there is someone here today whose life is in darkness, I pray that today they would come into the light of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up today so that you can draw everyone to yourself. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the deal. God sent His only begotten Son into the world as the light of the world and the light for the world. So let's talk about that light this morning. In fact, this is one of the great images in the Christian life and found in the Bible it's that of light. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul said, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. 
who has shown in the hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, when we come to the light, we are coming to a person who is God's Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is God's light. Hank Williams, uh, that name is synonymous with country music. But there's not just one Hank Williams, there's been three of them. There was Hank Williams Sr., Hank Williams Jr., who was the rowdy honky-tonker known as Bo Cephas. And then he has a son named Hank Williams III. They just call him Hank III. I'm really not quite for sure what Hank III really is. He's a cross between a punk rocker and a country singer. But here's what I know about all three of those Williams boys. They could pick and sing, and they're rowdy. All right? They are very rowdy. It all started with Hank, Hank Sr. Um, when he was about six years old, his dad left the home. He was an alcoholic and left his mom to raise all the kids. She was a good Christian lady, went to a church and played the organ there. And she had high hopes that her son would grow up and be a gospel singer. In fact, she saved enough money to send him to shape note school so he could learn notes and sing for the Lord. But at the age of 11, Hank had a different thing in mind. He was going to honky-tonks and already drinking alcohol. However, something happened in 1948, and he wrote this song, a great song that he ended all of his concerts with. I really don't think or know if Hank Williams ever was saved. In fact, the way he died kind of leads me to believe that he wasn't a Christian. At age 29, uh, he died in the back of his Cadillac from heart failure having drank and taken too many drugs. But he wrote a song in 1948 entitled, I Saw the Light. It goes like this. I wandered so aimless, my life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Again, I really don't think Hank really ever saw the light. In fact, there's a story of him uh, coming to a concert he was supposed to perform with Minnie Pearl, but he was so drunk he couldn't even stand up. Minnie tried to sober him up before he went out on stage, and finally she thought, I'll just drag him out there and have him sing, I saw the light. That'll sober him up. He got halfway through the first verse and they say he put his hands over his face and yelled out, Minnie, Minnie, I don't see no light. There ain't no light. You know what? When you see the light, you realize there is a light. It's Jesus Christ. When He comes into our hearts, we will never ever be the same again. And so I want to talk to you about that light. In fact, that's what these verses are all about, the light of Jesus Christ. And it begins with John talking to us about transmitting that light. In fact, the light is transmitted through obedient witnesses. Verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Well, our human race is in darkness. In fact, our world is about as dark as it can be. And it seems like to me it's getting darker every day. Now I know we have our times and our ages that we think we've been enlightened, 
but we're still in the darkness because we are without God. And I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or what, but every time I read the news or turn on the TV, I just realize how much darker our world is getting every single day. It is a dark place without Jesus and without hope. But God has sent His light into this world. And the light that God sent into the world is a person. It's His Son, Jesus Christ. And the light is transmitted by introducing the person, Jesus, to other people. And the way God has chosen to do that is for us to be His witnesses. For us to witness, that is to transmit that light to somebody else. Take John the Baptist for an example. You might be wondering, well, Brother Will, why are you using John the Baptist for an example? Because that's exactly who John chose to use. John the Baptist. He went where he was sent. Look at verses 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that through him all might believe. A witness is one who testifies. You are a witness if you have seen something or know something. You can tell about that. In fact, the word witness is the same word from which we get our word martyr from. Charles Hayden Spurgeon was a great British preacher of another generation. He and a friend were walking up a road one evening, and looking up the hill ahead of them, they saw a lamp lighter. In those days, the streets were lit with lamps, that had to be lit every evening. And this was done by someone called a lamplighter. Spurgeon and his friend were watching the lamplighter move up the hill, lighting each lamp as they went. And finally he crested the hill and went over the hill. Turning to his friend, Spurgeon said, I hope my life will be just like that. I should think that that when I have gone over the last brow of the hill, I would leave behind me many lights shining brightly. And just as certainly as John was called and sent by God with this mission to be a witness, friends, we are all called and sent by God to be His witness in a dark world. Light is transmitted through obedient witnesses. And I can tell you that, that that light was transmitted to me by obedient witnesses when I was just a kid. It was transmitted to me by my mom and dad. They, they were the real deal. What you saw on Sunday mornings is what I saw Monday through Saturday at home. They lived the life. They shared the testimony. They were witnesses of the light to me every single day. I went to a church that was filled with people who were the lights of God. I was taught by Sunday school teachers who shared the light of Jesus Christ with me. And I listened to a preacher preach for an hour and a half every time he got up to preach. Those were the days, all right? He'd preach an hour and a half and you didn't get up and leave or he'd call you down, right? But he preached about the light. And I'm here to tell you, there, there was no doubt and question in my mind that there was something different about these people. They had the light of God. 
And it makes me just stop and wonder, you know, what about me? And what about you? Is the light of Jesus Christ being transmitted through us to the people around us? Are we truly a light for God? Now I know that when you come in this building on Sunday mornings at 10.30, you crank on the light, you know, even though if you fought with your family like cats and dogs on the way to church and got in a real sour mood in the car when you walk in the door, you're smiling, you're being a light. The real question is, are we truly a light Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday? Not only was John going where he was sent, he was also a moon and not the sun. You say, what are you talking about there? Well, look at verses 8 and 9. It says about John, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. You do know the difference between the sun and the moon. The sun is the ultimate source of the light we see every day. 93 million miles away, this giant ball of fire is burning, sending light to us. The moon possesses no light in and of itself. The light that we see from the moon is simply reflected from the sun. And the same is true about our witness. We are not the light. You're not the light. I'm not the light. We are the moon. We reflect the light. We're not the sun. We're the moon. Our witness is to reflect Jesus Christ with our words and with our life. Verse 9 says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And the light is transmitted through faithful, obedient witnesses. And again, I'm just going to have to pause and labor on this just for a little bit because you know what? Sometimes we don't transmit that light like we're supposed to. Sometimes it gets real foggy and other people have a hard time seeing the light because we're not doing those things which are necessary to reflect the light. Maybe we've allowed some kind of sin in our own life. Maybe there's something between us and God that is keeping that reflection of the light shining in the lives of other people. Years ago, I was pastoring a different church in a different city, and I had a, a guy come see me one day. He, he, was, he was disgruntled and upset and pretty mad. And he said, Preacher, I just think you need to know about one of your members. Now, whenever a conversation starts like that, I just always kind of put my radar up, you know. All right, what's about to happen here? And he started complaining about one of our church members. He said, that, this guy, and named him by name, he said, you know, I know he's a, he's a board member here at this church, and he's a leader here, and he gets up every Sunday and prays, and everybody thinks the world of him, but let me tell you what he's really like. Because I work with him Monday through Friday. And he's no better than anybody else in that plant. You ought to hear the curse words that come out of his mouth and the dirty jokes that he tells and all the bad things that he does. Let me tell you, that made my day. <laughs> you know, it, 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 just, it just drove it home to me then as it does now. You know what, guys? We've got to be the real deal. The world is in desperate need of a true witness 
for Jesus Christ. If you're not reflecting that light properly, you're probably doing more harm to Christianity than you're doing good. Because if there is no difference between you and everybody else in the world, I mean, what good is it? Why would anyone in the world want what you got if what you got is no different than what they have? You know? This light is only transmitted by faithful, obedient witnesses. And so that's what we must be. A faithful, obedient witness to Jesus Christ. That means we must clean our own life up. We must live pure and holy and godly lives in this wicked, dark world. Number two, this light is the only thing that can transform someone else's life. Jesus transforms our life. He is the only one powerful enough to change us. God uses us to shine the light so that all might believe. And when that light shines into a human heart, everything changes. But here's the deal. Not all people who see the light will receive the light. How do I know that? Well, verse 10 tells me. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He, Jesus, came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. So here we have this, this verse about the world. Well, we are the world, aren't we? We're part of the world. Jesus came to be in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world rejected Him. In chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And there it is again. God sent Jesus into the world to be the light of the world and for the world. But the world, that is us, not just a world system, but the people of the world, they love darkness more than they love light. They love sin more than they loved holiness. They loved self and Satan more than they loved God. And so they rejected the light. That's what people in general do. They reject the light. But there's another group of people in this verse that God has in mind here. Verse 11, Jesus came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. So what we have here is a double rejection. Jesus was rejected as Creator by all men in general. He was rejected as the Messiah by the Jews in particular. And so there's that double rejection. People everywhere are rejecting Jesus Christ. But that really is just one option. There is a second option here. And that is to receive Him. I love verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in His name. Well, praise the Lord for that. And receiving Christ means that we must believe in His name. And when you believe, which is the same as receiving Christ, this verse tells us that we have the right and the privilege of becoming a child of God. When you make the choice, God makes the change. Huh? 
When you make the choice to receive Him, He makes the change in your life. And it is a change from the inside out. He makes you into a new creation. You are born again into a new family. Now, when you were born the first time, you were born into a family. The second birth, being born again, brings you into a spiritual family. It's God's family. You see, all of us have one thing in common. That is, we are God's creation. Okay? God created everyone. But that doesn't automatically make you a child of God. That's a choice. Okay? We become children of God. Notice what it says in verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now follow me real close. I'm about finished, but follow this because it's important. This new life in Jesus Christ is not genetic. That is, it is not of blood. In other words, you don't become a Christian by ancestry. You don't get into God's family simply by belonging to a Christian family. You can't get in on your parents' coattail. Now, if your parents are Christians, that's wonderful. Thank God for that. But you can't get into heaven because they're Christians. I have people tell me all the time stuff like, well, my granddad was a preacher, or my, my aunt was a, was a missionary. Well, that's great, but it's not helping you much. Okay? It, it's individual accountability. Every single one of us stand alone before God. You can't get in based on someone else in your family. Individual responsibility. You must believe. You must receive. Nor is it by our own effort. The verse goes on to say, nor of the will of the flesh. That, that is, you are not born again by sheer human will apart from Christ. It is true that, that you have to make a choice and receive Christ, and that is an act of your volitional will, but the transformation that occurs is not something that can happen purely by willing it. In other words, we can't save ourselves. There are some people who think they can. They're humanists, but they're totally wrong. You can never be good enough to get into heaven on your own. It's not by the will of the flesh, nor is it of the will of man. That is, the efforts of others. No other human being can bring about for you the new birth. When you were born physically, you have human parents who made a decision to have a child. But the new birth doesn't work that way. It begins with a choice that God makes. God is the one who provided salvation. God is the one who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And as much as I love my family and my kids and my relatives and neighbors and some of you, I can't do it for you. doesn't work that way. So how can you be saved? Well, it's only through God's power. The end of verse 13 says, but born of God. You must be born of God. All this salvation is accomplished by God. It's God and God alone. 
The only way to explain the change that comes into our lives when we are saved is that we are born of God. And that is what happens the moment you believe and receive and ask Jesus into your heart. That light, the light of God, shines into your dark heart and it changes everything. Now you become light. You reflect that light. Jesus is inside of you. And what it does is it brings things around full circle. Because as soon as I receive the light and have the light of God inside of my light, it is my duty to transmit that light to somebody else. It's my duty to become a witness to that light. It's my duty to reflect the light. God's power transforms us. His light transforms us. But once we've been transformed, we are to transmit. Max Lucado tells a story in his book, God Came Near, that, that might help us at this point. He, he envisions an electrical storm that happens in his neighborhood that knocks out the grid of power to all of his neighbors. And, and so he goes to the storage closet to find candles that they need to light up their dark house. What he finds is four candles, each of them on a, on a, on a candle holder lined up on the shelf. And so he lights each one of the candles and gets ready to take them into the house to provide badly needed light. And then in his book, Lucado envisions these candles one by one starting to talk to him. All right? The first candle says, Well, don't take me out of this room. I'm not ready. I need more preparation. More preparation, Max asked. Yes, the candle said. I've decided I need to research this light giving so I won't make any mistakes out there. Then Lucado heard the other candle start talking. We're not going either. He's getting a little perturbed. He said, well, you're candles. It's your job to light up dark places. One of the candles responded, well, I'm too busy. Busy? Yes, I'm busy meditating. Meditating on the importance of light. It's really enlightening. Another candle spoke up and said, I can't leave the closet. I'm too unstable. I need to get myself together before I go out into the darkness. The fourth candle spoke up in a female voice. She said, I'd like to help, but... But lighting the darkness is not my gift. Lucado said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, I'm a singer. I sing to the other candles to encourage them to burn more brightly. And then she started singing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And all the other candles joined in singing. Lucado thought about it. Four perfectly good candles singing to each other about light, but refusing to come out of the dark closet. So in disgust, he blew out each one of those candles. Even after he blew them out, though, they, they kept singing. As he left the closet, his wife asked him about the candles. And Lucado replied, They don't! They don't work! Where'd you get those crazy candles anyway? His wife replied, well, they're church candles. Remember the church down the road that closed? 
I bought them there in a yard sale. Lucado said, makes sense now. Makes sense now. Shame on us. God has called us to be His light, to transmit that light, to shine that light. And the world needs it. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that You would just burden our hearts. Lord, for those of us in this room who have never received the light into our lives,